0: Today's scripture is Luke thirteen, one through nine, in the English Standard Version. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all of the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those eighteen on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look for three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I have found and I find none cut it down why should it use up the ground and he'd answered him sir let it alone this year also until i dig around it and put on manure then if it should bear fruit next year well and good but if not you can cut it down the word of the lord
1: になりました。そのこの
2: 流れ
0: えー、えー、はい。はい。When
3: those pictures started coming in, I sat riveted in front of my computer screen. For um, for almost two hours, I remember really clearly the tsunami that hit India a few years ago, and I I remember obviously the the earthquake in Haiti, Hurricane Katrina. I remember all of these events, but this Japanese tsunami was a bit of a m- more compelling thing to me, just because of the amount of footage that there was, especially the helicopter shots right that would follow this wall of water in from the sea and watch it watch it crash and wash over the city and just destroy everything in its path and just continue to drag things from the ocean miles inland, just a wall of water, these little little tiny cars on these roads trying to outrun this wall of impending doom and I realized we can be such arrogant little people to think that we can construct things that are indestructible And I used the moment for myself personally in the season of Lent to, to repent of that as if things can't change in an instant in my own life. So it wasn't but a couple of days later before videos and blogs started appearing about this telling us that what we'd seen was the mighty hand of God's wrath judging Japan. So I I may say something somewhat controversial, and I'm not prone to that, but the reality is what I'm about to say, maybe not everybody in here will agree with, and maybe not everybody at home will agree with. I don't think that what we saw there was the mighty hand of God's wrath on Japan, at least not in the way that it's being portrayed. Today's scripture is a compelling one. It's a glaring one, really, that speaks quite clearly across time to the tragedies of that day. In Judea, they didn't have mass communications like we do, so they wouldn't know what was happening on this island yet to be known as Japan. But their region, when things would happen, it would get them talking in the world that they lived in. And there are two specific things that had happened in this particular scripture. The first is, 20 years prior to this, there was a rebel. His name was Judas Galonita. And he would not accept Roman rule he would not accept the supremacy of Caesar and so he would not pay tribute to Caesar and he had a band of rebels fairly large with him of course he was dealt with in the Roman way and so he wasn't around anymore at this time but some of his band was still left and it's thought that they had come into Jerusalem and they had been tracked sort of by the Secret Service at the time. They had come into Jerusalem to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And so they were actually in the process of sprinkling the lamb's blood when they were assaulted by the Romans and killed. The Romans then mingled their blood with the lamb's blood and made a mockery of the sacrifice. So this got people talking. The second thing was the fall of the Tower of Siloam. and This is thought to be a tower that stood adjacent to the Pool of Siloam. And the Pool of Siloam was a famous place in the Bible. Jesus did a miracle there. This is the place where handicapped and infirmed people would come and sit by the pool for years because it was thought that an angel would come and stir the pool and the first one in would get healed so when a tower falls on people that can't even get out of the way this gets people talking about the cosmic implications of tragedy so this is what's going on as we come to the scripture that we're studying today and jesus speaks to it beginning with the first verse in chapter 13 of the gospel of luke we read there were some present that or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. We could exchange a lot of different tragic events between that time and this time and still understand fairly clearly what Jesus is trying to say, and I think it's unfair and unfortunate when in order to explain and make sense of these tragedies, we pen them on the wrath and judgment of God as if he woke up in a bad mood that day and he has a dark side and decides to kill some people instead of man's sin and the fruit of his own labor. I would say that the judgment of God is a very real thing, no doubt about it. I think it's terribly unfair to blame every inexplicable event on this in order to raise hysteria or to motivate people toward religion out of manipulation or to just simply find some way to explain what we can't explain and Jesus seems to be speaking to this in the passage today he's giving a perspective that doesn't speak directly about the mechanics of the hardship or tragedy but he's boiling it down to what the core issue is this stuff happens unless you repent you will also find yourself in a tragic story that ends badly unless you repent you will likewise perish he says these are pretty direct words for Jesus we don't need to pour a glass of Chardonnay or pour a tall, dark porter, and contemplate the nuance of what he might have meant. We don't have to call our girlfriends and say, what do you think he meant by that, right? We don't have to wait for confirmation to act on his words. He's speaking very directly, just because these things have happened doesn't mean these people were worse sinners or offenders than anybody else. But unless you repent, you're going to find yourself in the same place eventually. This is the third week of the season of Lent. Lent is a season that we deeply reflect on our lives where we consider the things that are perhaps out of alignment and oftentimes we lay those things down for a season not because they're evil but we lay something down and invite the Holy Spirit to reintegrate it into our lives in a proper way but it's also a time of penitence and remorse and this is something that we don't like to think about a lot and modern evangelicalism because, because there's just no condemnation, right? So we like to gloss over the fact that sin is a costly thing and a weighty thing and has terrible repercussions. And yet Lent is a season where we sit with that fact, where we hold for a moment the weightiness, the remorse, the grief over things and decisions that we shouldn't have made or done. And as we feel that weightiness on our shoulders, it gives us a perspective of the cost of our salvation. And then, through confession, we release it to God. And then there is no condemnation because it doesn't exist anymore, it's gone. Jesus is saying all that when he says, unless you repent, but he's also saying something very, very specific. When he says, repent, he is using the Greek word, matineo. This literally means to change your mind. He is literally saying, unless you change your course, unless you rewire your thinking, unless you reorient the way that you're going, you're going to end up in the same tragic story. In this case, spiritually, he's saying, you're going in one direction. If you do not turn and reorient yourself to God, you are going to find yourself in the same tragic end. Ever seen one of these before? What is this? It's a diaper. What's it for? (laughs) Catching waste products. So what do you do when one of those is used? You Pitch it. So this process of, of, of taking the dirty diaper off the baby, throwing it away, putting a new one on, what do we call that? Changing it. Jesus says, unless you change your mind you will also find yourself in the same predicament. So repentance is all of the things that we think it is, all of the things that I was just describing, but more than anything, repentance is change. If a baby sits in a dirty diaper, several things will happen. One, the baby will smell. Two, the baby's going to grow more and more uncomfortable and begin to cry in increasing volumes. But then the baby's skin will get irritated, right? And a rash will form. And the longer you leave the baby in a dirty diaper, the worse this is gonna get. It's never going to stop progressing until the baby's diaper gets changed. It's only going to get worse and worse, no, longer how long this, no matter how long this goes on. I'm gonna play a video clip. I'm gonna have to have you trigger it, Christian, because half the time I lose connection up here of the remote control. In this video clip, we will see an illustration of a husband and wife. The husband has decided to make a change.
0: Why are you doing this?
2: I have learned you never leave your partner especially in a fire.
0: Caleb, what's happened to you?
2: Dad asked me if there was anything in me that wanted to save our marriage. And then he gave me something. Um, I I could let you read it. Was it this? How long have you known?
0: I found it yesterday. So what day are you on?
2: Uh, 43.
0: There's only 40.
2: Who says I have to stop?
0: Normal for
2: you. Welcome to the new normal.
0: You didn't want to do this at first, did you?
2: No. But halfway through, I realized that I did not understand what love was. And once I understood that, I wanted to do it.
0: Caleb, I want to believe that this is real. But I am not ready to say that I trust you again.
2: I understand that. But whether you ever reach that point or not, I need you to understand something. I am sorry. I have been so selfish. For the past seven years, I have trampled on you with my words and with my actions. I have loved other things when I should have loved you. In the last few weeks, God has given me a love for you that I have never had before.
3: Tsunamis come in more than one shape. The wall Comes and sweeps everything out of its path in utter destruction and it looks like all that's left remaining is carnage and death. It looks like all is lost. But then the day comes on down the road a little way when the sun comes up again, and it doesn't look like carnage anymore, no matter what the loss, it looks like everything has been wiped clean. It looks like a fresh start. It looks like redemption. God didn't send a tsunami to kill Japanese God didn't send an earthquake to kill Haitians God didn't send a hurricane to kill Americans God didn't send the earthquake of betrayal into your life He didn't send the tsunami of cutting and tearing words that constantly kept you feeling less than you are God didn't send the hurricane of abuse but God redeems everything so I realized that um, the argument could be well what about the Old Testament God seems pissed off most of the time how do you deal with that? I mean, are you just trying to set that aside? I'm not. Soften the blow? I'm not. If you read the Old Testament, in its context, what you're going to find is God begging His people to please repent, please turn around. You have the God of the universe practically brought to his knees, pleading with his people to please not continue the course that they are on, because it's going to end so badly. I met a girl named Brenna in Colorado this past week. I was attending an event out there, and her family had brought her, and their whole family to meet me and I sat down on the couch and listened to Brenna's story. In January, her mom had called frantically the Daily Audio Bible's um, prayer line because they couldn't find Brenna. She was missing. She was found three weeks later on the other side of town. She's 16. She's now living with her 26-year-old boyfriend in a drug house. And an anonymous tip to the police found Brenna and they broke in and put her in handcuffs and brought her home. And she agreed to then go into rehab. And her mom called in to tell the story.
1: Thank you so much, Daily Audio Bible family. I just want to praise God for answered prayer. This is Tammy in Colorado. I called a few days ago about my daughter being missing. She was missing for three weeks. Two days after my prayer request played on the podcast, she was brought home. My daughter Brenna is currently safe in rehab. And I appreciate your continued prayers for her recovery and healing and the healing of the family. But I want to say, family, that God is good. And I am amazed at the way that she has been surrounded by prayer. To God be the glory. Amen.
3: Throw up the next slide, if you would, Christian. This is Brenna. Brenna in rehab received a stack of letters and emails. She told me from people from all over the world that she will never meet. She has no idea, and they're telling her how much they love her, and she's never felt this way before. And as an aside to this whole thing, just a bunny trail, I know that some of you heard the call when it came in. I know that some of you prayed. I know that some of you were praying and this is a fantastic example of what community can look like. This is a fantastic example of worth, that there are things worth fighting for and worth saving. And um, so this is Brenna's story. The reason that I bring Brenna into this is that her parents, they didn't scheme one day Listen, we have a 16-year-old daughter. Let's see what we can do to screw her up. Let's make some rules that she can't abide by so that we can put the screws to her and make it impossible for her to live. Let's treat her poorly and see just how bad we can make her feel about herself. Let's do everything we can to destroy Brenna and let's live constantly angry at her. No, what they did was beg their daughter to please not continue on the course she was following. Please don't go down this road. This will only end badly. You are only going to pay a price that you are not ready for you don't understand the repercussions of your actions right now you have no idea where this is going to lead please don't do this that's the story of the Old Testament so repentance is changing our minds Repentance is a time to reflect and grieve the decisions that we've made in the past. It's also a time of releasing those things. Repentance doesn't mean that we sit with the grief of it and linger there. The Olympic medalist Chris Akabusi said, the past is not a place of residence it is a point of reference your failures do not define you they simply point to a place where you have not succeeded repentance is about change it's about taking off the old poopy diaper and throwing it away and having a new clean garment a reset a restart. After Jesus comments about these local tragedies. He does what he always does. He uses a story to illustrate what he's trying to say. And he says, "A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser. Look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this tree, and I find none cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And the vine dresser answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This his grace this is mercy this is the rest of the story when it comes to judgment I believe in the wrath of God I believe in the judgment of God I do not believe it is his pleasure and so he offers the opportunity to repent and Jesus is saying repentance is required change reorient reorientation to God is required or we're going to end up with this, the same tragic outcome but there is grace there is mercy there is hope and through repentance there is change may we make that change may we live lives of repentance father we come before you humbly during this season of Lent and we invite your Holy Spirit even in this coming week to further bring things to mind that need to be set aside, areas of life that we have been unwilling to surrender to you personally, things that we need to sit with and contemplate, things that we need to feel the weightiness of and then release to you, never to return to them again. We ask your Holy Spirit in this coming week to help us live a life of repentance. And now as we head to your table and remember the sacrifice of Christ that paid for the weightiness of our sin and redeemed us, we come together in an
1: attitude of repentance as a body.